On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, he helped orchestrate what could be considered a dynasty in minor league baseball. Former Lethbridge Dodgers manager Gail Henley joins us. Welcome to episode 107 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. September is a big month on our calendar when it comes to on-this-date events. As the summer winds down, regular seasons come to an end, leaving behind playoffs and championship runs. We've highlighted a number of those on social media, but wanted to throw it back on the podcast to one of the teams that won it all. The Lethbridge Dodgers were a powerhouse in the late 1970s and early 1980s, capturing three Pioneer League titles in 1977, 79, and 80. It's no small feat when you consider the high turnover the Rookie League sees. Very rarely do you see players spend more than a year with a team before heading up the organizational depth chart. The one common denominator during those three seasons was manager Gail Henley. A veteran of the Dodgers scouting staff and serving as their director of minor league development, he arrived in 1977, made way for Jim Lefebvre in 1978, came back in 79 and 80, and returned one more time in 1983. In all, Henley managed Lethbridge to a record of 173 wins and 105 losses over the four seasons. Now nearly 92 years old, Henley has been retired for a while now, but he still has many great memories of his time in Alberta. We caught up with him recently to talk about those memories and what he's most proud of when he looks back on his life in baseball. Gail, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you for letting me be here. Take us back to 1977. Your assignment is to head up this new Dodgers affiliate in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. What went through your mind? Well, first of all, it was a new, new experience for me moving into Canada with a ball club. And I know that Calgary, or not Calgary, but uh, Lethbridge the year before had belonged to Montreal. And it was the first year uh, they were in the league. And also it was the first year that uh, the uh, Canadian clubs were all in the Pioneer League, and uh, it was a, it was a new experience. And first of all, I had to kind of basically run the whole thing, the camp, and, and uh, uh, Mr. Schweppe, who was the farm director, had a lot of a lot of confidence in me and just gave me free reign and let me go at it. So, and I took one of the one of my scouts that uh, that I had signed, Dennis Heron, as long as a coach. What was one of the maybe the biggest challenges that you faced, given, as you mentioned, it's not just the first year that you're doing this, but it's the first year for the team in Lethbridge and, and for the team with the Dodgers. And beyond that, it's, you know, you have some new rivalries that are popping up. As you mentioned, you have Calgary and Medicine Hat both uh, entering into the fold as well. First of all, we wanted to make a good impression on, on our Canadian friends, uh, which I, I think we might have. I don't know. Uh, but it seemed to be that... Uh, uh, they they appreciated us being there, and we Lethbridge was really a nice town, and the players liked being there. There was also that uh, there weren't that many uh, disturbances for uh, them to be involved in, so that made it good too for me. So I didn't have to run around at night and be a policeman. So that was good. I was going to ask about those first impressions when you arrived in the city and in this province. What kind of went through your mind? Because you know you're a Kansas boy. It's not like Canada is first on your uh, on your your research pages when you're going to school, kind of thing. 
Well, in Kansas, I didn't know much about Calgary or, or Kansas or anything else. Uh, all I knew was Kansas was flat country, and, and basically uh, going from uh, Salt Lake to uh, uh, to Lethbridge, going up at 15 and uh, through the uh, border towns, it was kind of a flat country, too, so uh, it was nothing new. And uh, the part of Montana I was in, which was uh, Great Falls to start with, because that was our, our meeting point, uh, we, just, we just went north and and uh, everywhere. And uh, it was a good experience, it really was. And it was a growing one for me, because uh, I got to meet my, some of my Canadian friends that I became friends with, and also I... Every now and then, when I look back and I think, well, I'm still, still, I uh, got a little bit of, of uh, Canadian touch because, A, you know, and uh, I would always seem like when I'd come back from there that I, they'd all think I was a Canadian. Had been kind of cool as well. I know in chatting with your son that uh, you were able to bring your family along for the ride as well and kind of enjoy some new experiences that way. Well, not, not all the way. Uh, my first year, uh, my oldest son came up with me for uh, probably three weeks. And he, you know, he was out of, out of school, and, and uh, he, uh, he was uh, uh, trying to play Legion ball, and, and uh, he did back in Ogden, Utah, when, when I was in that, that club. But uh, mostly uh, my, my family didn't really get a chance to be with me all at once. They were kind of split. Uh, my last year in, in the left bridge, but 79 or 80, uh, when my youngest son was able to come up and, and spend this, uh, most of the summer with me. And he was a baseball player in high school here. And uh, he, he worked out with a team and took infield and that sort. Whereas uh, my daughter... She and her mother came up with one time, and, and uh, that was the only time in in the three years that they did come up uh, they they came up together. So I, I really never had them all all there at one time. Any favorite stories that still make you smile to this day from your days here in Lethbridge and, and in Canada? Uh, <laughs> only when we won the. Uh, uh, championship, and we came back from Billings, and, and the bus came into town, and 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 uh, we parked right in front of Reno Ritchie's house, and and everybody had had a couple beers. Normally, I had a we had a, a rule that uh, no beer on the bus, and but uh, that night uh, we had a couple beers, and and uh, even though some of my kids maybe were. 20, 21 years old or 19, but I had a lot of, a lot of older players. That, uh, uh, it wasn't their first time around the block, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we we enjoyed it and we had we celebrated at Reno's Reno's house, uh, and uh, it was it was very interesting, very good. Now you were the man behind three championships in four years, and by any standard of measurements, that's a dynasty. But you had to do it with new rosters every single year. How did you manage to guide that team to glory like you did? Well, I think you you have to give credit to the ball players. I always had good players. Uh, 
guys going back from Mike Howard uh, first year, George Stump in uh, 77, and uh, 79, I had uh, Greg Brock and, and uh, that group, and Rich Rodas, and, and uh, always had good ballplayers, so I, I can't uh, say that it was, all, you know, magic on my part. I think it was just the fact that uh, they all, all came to play, and, and uh, it's the way it turned out. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I basically that's it. I think I was just good ball players and, and always make a manager look better than he is. And we're all pretty much the same. Most most of us, I think, kind of uh, managed by experience and and by percentages and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just a matter of with me. I thought uh, handling pitching uh, uh, was probably my strong point. Uh, uh, from there, I don't know. I can't tell you other than the fact that we had good players and uh, they like to win. Even though, we, even when we won 18 or 19 in a row, uh, I wasn't completely aware of it because we were just going out every day doing our job. And here we were. Somebody called me. I think it was in Idaho Falls and said, "Hey, you guys have won." I came from the LA office. Said, you guys have won 15 or 16 in a row. And I said. You have, and uh, I, I wasn't completely aware of that. So it was just, you know, day in and day out, you do your job. You mentioned the players, and you look down the list, and some names that are probably pretty familiar to a lot of Major League Baseball fans, whether it be Ron Kittle or Candy Maldonado or Mitch Webster. I mean, there, there's quite a few really good ball players that went through. Who would you say was maybe the most talented that you saw in your time here? Probably uh, one or two that didn't make it, but uh, I thought Greg Brock had a chance, you know, to be a, a pretty good home, home run hitter, which he did. And the one player who uh, got through the system, in fact, he uh, went through the, the, the whole Dodger system and uh, went on to be with the White Sox. You probably have his name there, Rob. Uh, you know, my, my short-term memory is not too good, but he had about 50 home runs for the White Sox. We, the Dodgers had released him mm-hmm. earlier, and, and he had gone through the system and uh, was missed by all of us. So I always thought he was a prospect at an early age. That would have been Ron Kittle. Ron Kittle. There you go. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Kittle. Yeah, he uh, he came through with uh, Edmonton actually as well in '81. I want to say as as part of their PCL team, the White Sox PCL team, and hit I think it was 50 home runs and 140 some odd RBIs or something like that. Like he was right. he was right. incredible. But uh, you clearly saw some something in him uh, during his time here as well. Well, he uh, at, at, when he was with, of course, he was his first year. He's probably 18 or 19 years old from Chicago area. And uh, he had trouble catching the ball, and they struck out quite often, and he really didn't get to play. And he was first baseman, if I recall. And uh, uh, he just he just didn't he didn't seem to fit. And uh, consequently, uh, next year, uh, uh, let's see, that was eighty one, eighty two. I was I was uh, no longer around, but. Uh, in our system, the Dodger system, uh, he went through with Class C and Class B, and, and uh, nobody uh, 
seemed to think that he was a prospect, and he just didn't get to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, young guys like that who eventually mature, uh, they need to playing time, and we we just failed to, to recognize uh, his talents. And it wasn't only me; it was it was uh, all the other managers that he attempted to play for in the early years that uh, uh, declined to uh, put the stamp on him. So that's all I can tell you. Those things happen mm-hmm. in all organizations. When you look back on the time here in Lethbridge, what was the atmosphere like around the stadium when you're constantly winning like your teams were? Well, they, uh, it was very good. In fact, is I enjoyed Lethbridge. The whole town was, was very receptive to the players and, and uh, they they treated us fine, and uh, I, I have no I have good feelings about having time spent in Lethbridge and in Canada. I remember we used to have some pretty good rivalries with with Calgary the first year. I think they had the Cardinals over there, and mm. and uh, we were always and and they had a temporary ballpark they had built, and uh, we had we had. Some Pretty good uh, going on. So I, I really, I really, I can't uh, express exactly how I feel, but I know I enjoyed it, and I kept coming back. So I must have done it for a reason, other than the fact that each year was a temporary time for me, because originally when I went up there in 1977, uh, Mr. Shrepe, uh, uh it was an emergency thing, and. Uh, they, they were just waiting to hire somebody. And so the next year, in 78, Jim Lefevre uh, became available. So he, he went up and managed one year. And uh, all of a sudden, he's uh, back coaching in the big leagues. And uh, so in, in 79, uh, guess what? Mr. Schweppe <laughs> says, would you mind doing this? And I said, well, okay with me. So go ahead. Here we are. How proud are you of the accomplishments that that team was able to put together in the short time that you were here? Well, I was I was very happy. I, you know, just the fact that you you win a, you win and you win a championship is always a happy time, and uh, especially when the season's over with and you can celebrate. So, and the, it makes those bus rides real real uh, cheerful, even though they're long and. Uh, Sometimes uh, the bus will take us on a wrong, wrong route, and all of a sudden we wind up in in uh, eastern Canada, and we should be a little more central. And uh, <laughs> uh, some of the, some of those trips out of uh, Montana into Canada and crossing the borders at night uh, are something else. I can only imagine. Tell us a little bit more about some of those bus trips because I've heard from a number of players over the years who've said, you know, it's always an adventure because whether it's the the air conditioning breaking down, if you were lucky enough to have air conditioning or breakdowns on the side of the road, I mean, there are so many different stories that uh, kind of those road trips were almost more memorable than the the time on the field sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I can remember one time we were, I don't know where we were, but uh, the bus broke down and, and uh, we had to wait for hours and hours and it changed tires and and uh, sometimes we had, you had to change a driver. And uh, it's, uh, 
it, it, uh, it was hara- harassing, and uh, you had to have a lot of patience, and, and, uh, and you stuck out at one or two in the morning on a, a highway in, uh, somewhere in northern Montana, and, and uh, there's no traffic coming around, and what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, go to the side of the road and pitch corners or something like that. But uh, no, it was it was <clears throat> it was a it was a good time for me, and, and I know it was a good experience for a lot of my ball players. You had an absolutely amazing and lengthy career in baseball, and I'm curious, what does the game mean to you? Well, I one time uh, I didn't know how long it was going to last. And I, I, when I came home from, uh, uh, might have been Lakeland one year, I decided to re- retire and uh, go to work for East, the company I'd been working for for the previous five years. They had offered me a job in management. And uh, I told, talked to Jim uh, uh, Campbell, who was a general manager of Detroit. We were in Los Angeles at uh California Angel game, and uh, I told him I, what I wanted to do, and uh, he said, okay, no problem. I was going to go back to scouting, and I wanted to do some scouting for Detroit and go back to college and get my degree. And uh, he says, no problem, no problem. He says, you, you, can, you can have that job and do, do that. And uh, then he... Uh, offered me a job, the salary in scouting. I said, Jim, I can't afford that. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to work for Clean Towel and Uniform Supply for for twice the amount of money. I've got a car. I've got expense account. I've got a secretary. i got all these things. And uh, he says, well, that's what it is. So I said, I'm sorry. Uh, I have to take the job and I, so I left it for two or three years and, and uh and in nineteen sixty nine or seventy, uh when I realized that I was not gonna be a general manager of one of our three companies, which we we had one in Seattle and one in Portland and one in San Francisco and then the Los Angeles one which where I was working. And uh so I made up my mind then with all three of the the uh, uh, companies were uh, operated in, uh, by their uh, brother. And these, our senior one was in Seattle. And uh, then uh, he was the oldest brother. And then uh, the youngest brother was in San Francisco, uh, working for Standard Industrial. And then I was in Los Angeles working for Chip Marriott, with who uh, I really enjoyed working with. And, and uh, I could see right then, I was in my early 50s, I think, that I was not going to be a general manager at any one of these three outlets as long as the brothers were still alive and working them. So I that decided my fate. And also, the job was very, very, uh, it was a tough job. You you had to be on, on the ball all the time. You got... Guys like Standard Prudential and and uh, Welch's and these were big big uh, 
clothing outfits at uh, suppliers that uh, were, you always had to go out and, and meet a price that uh, they would be in, in um, undercutting you in a galaxy you might have. And uh, so consequently, I was smoking a little bit. And then when I got home at night, I wanted a martini which uh, re- kind of relaxed. Then I can just sit myself, and in a few more years, uh, I said, I'll be dead trying to, you know, maintain this level of job. So, mm-hmm. anyhow, I uh, decided that I was going to do something, get get back in baseball if I could. And it so happened that uh, I was playing around in a, uh, not playing around, I was kind of halfway managing a, uh, a uh, little group of kids of 16 years old that uh, were involved in this those leagues. That I, I can't think of the name of it. But anyway, and one of the kids' mother happened to work for Al Campanis with the Dodgers. And uh, she said, I, I talked to her, and she says, let me, let me talk to Al. Maybe he, he might have a job for you. And so he... He contacted me, and, and uh, I went in and interviewed with Camp Pass, and, and uh, he uh, gave me gave me a job scouting. And first of all, he says, do you have any reports of the, the club that you last managed in the Northern League? And I said, yeah, you know, especially the Dodger club that was in the league. So I, I gave him... Uh, he said, bring in a couple of reports. So I brought him in, and he said, well, it looks like you have an idea what you're doing, so we got a job for you. And so I went to work for the Dodgers, and uh, the rest is history. You know, I worked for them for a number of years, 26 years, and, and uh, before I retired and, and uh, went to, uh, uh, let's see, San Diego, uh, uh, Texas, uh, and uh, uh, where else did I work? Anyway, I went to work, <laughs> mm-hmm. and but uh, that's basically it. And after so many years, I, I I hung them up. Must have meant a lot to you to have that kind of career in baseball. Yeah, it's uh, not many do, and but I was very lucky that. I was able to survive that long, and I think a lot of it was probably the fact that I cared, and I was always a baseball guy, and and other than the fact, uh, that was it. But I liked what I was doing. I must have. Sounds like it, Gail. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast, and congratulations on all that you accomplished in the game of baseball. Okay, well, I hope I gave you enough to, to go on here. Oh, he sure did, didn't he? Well, thanks again to Gail Henley for joining us on the podcast. And thanks to his son, Daniel, for helping line up the conversation. He passed along his own fond memories of his time visiting as a youngster and was even a teammate of Brock and Kittle later on in his own baseball career. Quote, I learned much about the game as a little rug rat running around stadiums in the Pioneer League. Great story all in all. Before we go, make sure to head over to albertadugoutstories.com as we've been working on a few throwback stories lately. Ian wrote a great one about Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio heading to the Rocky Mountains. And coming up tomorrow, a.k.a. Friday, we'll have a new story dating back a century and a controversial Western Canada League final series. 
Until next time, thank you for all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories.